0: Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author, Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. You will surely die. This was the warning that the Creator God delivered to Adam and Eve concerning the consequences of choosing to live by Satan's laws instead of God's laws. Which begs the question, who is the source of that death? It's a common belief that God is. Is that true? We'll find out today on our broadcast. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Welcome, one and all. We're continuing our series of presentations made by Dr. Jennings in Allen, Texas back in early 2020. Let's find our seats, open our minds, and listen. So what did Jesus accomplish at the cross?
1: If you have the imposed law, the imperial view, the way the human law functions, remember human law functions, system of rules that you have to coerce or punish people for breaking. If that's your view, then what he did is he paid a penalty to protect us from legal condemnation and wrath of God or punishment inflicted by the ruling of God. That's what he did. That's the answer. And there's a variety of different subtleties and how it's applied and so forth that they argue back and forth and the specific legal application of all this. But, But the core root is this is the problem. Design law, something much more profound occurred. He provided the remedy to our sin condition and made it possible for this creation to be restored back to God's original design for life. That's what he did. Let's walk through. He revealed the truth which exposes Satan as a liar and secures the unfallen universe in loyalty. You understand if you put all the various parts of the Bible together that while some of the angels rebelled in heaven, not all of them did. And if you look in the book of Job, there's a time when Satan comes from walking to and fro on the earth and he begins to tell stories and misrepresentations and continues to lie. And the angels in heaven, they're not God. They don't know all things. They can't read hearts and minds. If angels could read hearts and minds... A third of them would have never been deceived in the first place. They would have looked right into Lucifer and said, oh, you're lying. I can see right into your heart. They can't. So this controversy is still going on in heaven. And this is why the Bible talks about things like the angels long to look into this stuff or wear a theater, a spectacle to angels and to men. One of the things Jesus accomplished was to reveal truth about God, expose Satan as a liar and fraud in order for those angels who had not rebelled to have their uncertainties answered, their questions to be solidified in their loyalty. So the Bible says in Colossians 1:19 and 20, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, talking about Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Did you ever notice that? that heavenly things were being reconciled to God. The angels were being solidified in their loyalty and conviction and affection and love for Satan was being rooted out, not because God was rooting it out, but because Satan was alienating himself as he was being exposed as a liar and a fraud and a source of evil and death. So the Bible says that Jesus, through his death, destroyed Satan and Satan's power. Hebrews 2.14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. Did you know the devil holds the power of death? Right here, I hope your minds are going on, under the imperial legal view that God's law functions like human law, this is turned around. And in fact, it is not taught that Satan holds the power of death. It's taught that God is the source of death. God in justice must use his power to execute and kill rebellious sinners. And so we have this distortion of God's reality in which we now have a God who is the source of life, creates life, but also in justice becomes the source of death to kill his creatures. It's a fraud. It's not real. Death does not come out from God. We're talking that eternal death, the annihilation, the wages of sin death, does not come out from God. The Bible tells us that Satan holds the power of death. What is that power? Well, Satan is the father of lies, and his power to kill or to destroy a soul is through his power of lies. How does that work? Let's do some Bible math. According to Jesus in John 17, eternal life is knowing God. Not just cognitive knowledge and awareness. Everybody in this room probably knows about Barack Obama, George Bush, Donald Trump. We know about them. How many of you know them? See, this Bible knowing is a very small piece of it is cognitive knowledge. The bigger piece is the experiential knowledge, the the unity of heart, the affections, the I know your soul, I know you. Adam knew his wife Eve. She conceived and brought forth a son. It's an intimate connection with. Eternal life is having your heart into intimacy and the knowledge that you know God. This is eternal life. So if eternal life is knowing God, what is eternal death? It is not knowing God. Eternal death is not knowing God. And then Satan's power are the lies about God, he tells, that we believe that keep us from knowing him. That's how he has the power of death. Christ destroys that power by revealing truth that destroys the lies and wins us back to trust in God. And thus Satan's power to keep us alienated from God is broken. So one thing he did, he revealed truth, which exposed Satan as a liar, reconciles or or keeps the loyal angels in loyalty to God, and he destroys Satan's power, which is the power of lies that keep us from knowing God. But he also destroyed the infection of selfishness that Adam brought into the human species when Adam believed the lies, lies believed, break the circle of love and trust, and broken love and trust result in fear and selfishness. The human condition was changed by Adam. And Christ destroyed that infection of fear and selfishness known in the world as the survival of the fittest drive. Notice what it says in Second Timothy 1.10. Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel, he came to destroy death and restore life. Well, how did Jesus destroy death? What is the basis of life or where is the origins of life? Yes, I heard somebody say it, God. God is the source of all life. Life emanates from God and flows out from God to all beings who are in unity with God and continue to live in harmony with God and his design or design laws for life. What happens if one breaks this design? One severs the connection with the source of life. Dying, they die. And the day you eat of this fruit, dying, you will die. You will break your connection with me. You don't have life original, unborrowed, underived. You're not the source of life. Adam, you are a being I formed out of mud and I breathed into your nostrils a breath of life. You have life because you're in harmony with me and it flows out from me to you. If you break this connection with me, you're going to die. This is what happens when we break God's design law. We sever the connection. So death is the natural result or outcome of selfishness, breaking the law of love. Sin is deviation from God's design, and thus sin destroys the sinner. Notice where death originates. Death is not originating in God. He's the source of life. Death originates in breaking our connection with God, the act of transgressing of God's design or his law, if you want to use that word. And so the Bible tells us, for sin pays the wage, It's which is death. Or James tells us, sin, when full grown, brings forth death. Notice sin is bringing forth death, not God. I like this one. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. This is design law. Think this does not fit in the imperial world. In the imperial world, there is no problem with breaking human law, except the ruling authority catch you and then punish you for it. But design law, you can't escape the consequence of breaking the design law. It is damaging and injurious unless someone intervenes to heal the damage. And this is what the Bible is teaching. In hard sayings of the Bible published by InterVarsity Press, they understand this, and they, they teach in rejecting God's structure, you could call that God's design, and establishing our own and violating God's intention for the creation and substituting our own, we cause our own disintegration. Which is exactly what the Bible teaches. It is a design law. We can't have life severing our connection from God. So how did Jesus destroy death? In order to destroy death... Christ had to restore humanity back to harmony with the law of life, the law of love. He had to put God's design back into the species human. And Christ loved perfectly and refused to act in order to save self. And then he destroys the devil's work. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And what does the devil work to do? He has worked to erase or efface the image of God in mankind and to have humankind instead represent the character of Satan, to write Satan's character into the human species, so that we become like him rather than like God. That's his work. Christ, how did he do this? Christ was a unique being. Have you ever heard the argument? Maybe some of you know this kind of theological term prelapsarian or post-lapsarian. If you don't know the term, it simply means there's our theological debate about, did Jesus as a human being come with the nature that Adam had before his fall? in Eden before he sinned, pre or did he come with the nature that Adam had after his fall, post-lapsarian? And the debates go back and forth and there's never any... It's because they're both wrong. It's a false debate. Christ didn't come in either one of those natures. He is unique. Let me show you. Adam was formed out of the dust of the earth and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and Adam became a living human being. Eve was taken from the side of a sinless being and she was also created directly by God as a sinless human being. You and I and every human being since then, with the exception of Christ, was born from a sinful mother and a sinful father. Did Jesus come into, Jesus' humanity come into this world in any of these three ways? It did not. Jesus did not come into the world like Adam, did not come into the world like Eve and did not come into the world like us. Jesus is unique and it's this uniqueness that gives him the ability to be our savior. Jesus was formed in none of these ways. He was born when God, the spirit, the Holy spirit came upon the woman and the woman was born of a sinful mother and a sinful father. Just like you and me, Mary was born of a sinful mother and a sinful father. And so through Mary, he partook of our condition but because his father was the Holy Spirit, he also partook of God's divine nature. And in Christ, our fallen condition and God's divine character or nature warded out in the human mind of Jesus Christ. The two antagonistic principles fought it out God's design of perfect, other centered love battling with our fallen nature of survival of the fittest, me first. Watch out for self. And Jesus overcame as a human being where we could never overcome. He restored God's design of love into the humanity that he assumed, thus reconnecting the species back to God's circle of love, the law of life. Let's show you the evidence for this. Jesus in humanity exercised love, overcame the desire to save self. So notice, as soon as Jesus is baptized, he's full of the Holy Spirit, returns from the Jordan, he's led by the Spirit out into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Now get your mind around that for a moment. Just consider this. And we all know the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation. But Jesus is led by the Spirit out of the desert to be tempted. tempted. You understand why? Because he had a mission that no other human being had. He had a mission to fix, to cure, to confront, to overcome, to deal with, to eradicate. And he had to face it. And he had to choose with his humanity to apply God's design of love as a human being. He had to be tempted in every way just like we are, yet without sin, in order for him to achieve victory.
0: What wonderful insights. We will continue this series by Dr. Jennings recorded in Texas on our next broadcast. Be sure to tune in. Between now and then, I invite you to stop by comeandreason.com. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today.